I've, I've entitled my message this morning, Fruitful in Your Calling. Because I want you to understand that you have been called by God. Ephesians 4, the message that God gave me to come to Port Lincoln, it all starts with, you are called by God. And you need to understand that whether as soon as you take a breath in your life, you're called by God for a purpose. The problem is many times people live their life searching for something, but they're never finding God. Hopefully this morning's message will connect in your, in your situation, help things uh, be clear. So the context of, of my message begins with, God has given you life. So poke someone and say, are you alive? Because if they are, God gave them few live bodies here god gave them that life so the question that comes from that what does god require of that life that's a good question to ask ourselves what does god require from the life that he's given me and that i think is the most important question we need to we need to have an answer for so as our theme has been for the year if you're catching up on that our theme this year is being fruitful in every part of our life and so fruitful in your calling is an important thing we need to get right so to live fruitful in god's call we've got to remember this rule it's god's call i'm not going to explain all that but to be fruitful in god's call it starts with understanding that it's god's call it's it's his way that he wants us to follow so i want to demystify this god has the right to make the call. If you didn't understand my, my last sentence, what that interprets as is God has the right to make the call. Often, our struggle with this thing we call the call of God rests on this. We don't want to lay down our cause. We don't want to lay down our plans. We don't want to lay down the things that, that, that we are so comfortable living with. Or the things we want to live with. And we think, but you know, there's so many times people think, well, I'm not going to follow God because that means I have to give up. That's a really, really minuscule perspective to have because when God looks at your life, he wants to give in to you more than you could ever imagine. That's much, much more outweighs, not good English, not a good sentence, but it outweighs anything that you think that you have to lay down or give up. So for those of you who are Christians, any Christians here today, believers in Jesus Christ, there's two or three, thank you. <laughs> These are some things that get in the way of God's call, even in our lives. When we use terms like, my friends. So we say, my friends are here, that's why I go to this church. That can get in the way of the call of God. Oh, my family, my property, my business, my ministry. Yeah, that's a strange one. But even that, the, uh, the, these are, lump them all together. They're enemies to the call of God upon your life. How can that work? Because we can become so loyal to, to things and people and, and, and the, the, the ministry that we, we forget the call of God that always wants to propel us forward and onward into better and bigger things I, I just had a revelation this week in my own experience that God's preparing me now for the next and I don't know what the next is but but I think all the little things that that I deal with every day here as a, as a pastor of a church is is putting things together because God's saying you know I, I'm thinking of the future I'm thinking of the next phase of your life the next phase of ministry now that who knows what that will be 
But I want to be ready when the door opens. I step straight in. Not going, oh, gee, I didn't prepare myself. Oh, boy, I wish I had done that course. I could have done that. And we live life with a lot of, I could have, but we didn't because we never prepared in the day when we should have. Who's ready for some scripture here? So we will do use our Bible. It's a nice thing to do from time to time. John chapter 15, verse 4. It says, remain in me and I will remain in you. This is a promise from Jesus. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. That, that scripture starts with a promise of God's or, or Jesus' commitment to you. Just leave that up there for a sec. So I'm going to give you three ways to help you get to grips with your call in God and stay fruitful and to remain in him. Who's interested? Okay. For the others who aren't, you can go home. Now have a coffee. Have a coffee on me. Uh, we should have some lounges over there set up so you can just go straight to, to them. But we haven't, so you can stay here and listen. So three ways to help you get to grips with your call in God. I'll, I'll give you the three points and then we'll look at each one separately. Number one, God likes to see increase. That's what God is all about, increase. Number two is God likes to see intimacy. That means connection. It means friendship. It means, it means uh, a communication. Uh, I've used that word intimacy. We've, we've sort of maybe taken that a little bit extreme in some ways, but it's, it's about having a, 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 a friendship knowledge of, of each other. So we know God in a, in a very special, personal way. That's what I want it to mean this morning. And the third thing, God likes to see involvement. God wants to see us involved in the world in which we live. The church shouldn't be this, this place that, well, we just, you know, the, the world should, is okay if we just sing our songs and listen to preaching here on a Sunday and do our own thing. Just don't interfere with anything else out there. But that's not what the church is called to do. The church is called to be the salt and light to the world that brings a difference, that brings a sweetness, that brings, that brings a, a purpose to, to the world. That's just not what we can see, feel and touch, but it's a spiritual purpose that the church has to function in. So we'll look at number one, increase. Over the past while, I've been planting native trees, native trees around our yard. And most of them die because I'm not a very good gardener. I go to the nursery every year and buy, buy a pile of trees and plant them all out. Last year I didn't do it. I refused. But I go and buy all these plants and put them all in the ground. I think, oh, they're awesome. And, and go back and, oh, that one's dead. Mm, that one didn't make it. Mm, that one needs life support. I'm not a very good gardener. But I, I found a, a little wattle seedling. A little baby one. Can you call them that? Little baby tree? It was about, it was about three leaves. It was so small. It was, it was like smaller than my hand. Three little leaves poking up out of the ground. And, I, and you know when you see something like that and you kind of feel sorry for it, your heart goes out. This thing's, this thing's wild sown. It came up by itself. So you kind of feel a sense of loyalty to you poor little struggling thing. And it was deformed. Poor little thing had a deformity. It was like it, 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 its trunk, if you could call it that, was just a tiny little, tiny little stick. Really, it was laying flat along the ground. It's poor little guy. But I thought I'm gonna, I'm gonna transplant this little wattle tree thing, little seedling, 
and put it where I want it. So I, I, I dug around it carefully and, and, and transplanted it to a spot where I thought if, if you grow here, it'll make a nice screen in, in, you know, on our property. So I, I moved it there. And what I did is really carefully, I, I staked it up so that it, so the bent, without breaking it, was really challenging. You know, you, you sort of just bent it a little bit up and tied it up with some stakes so that, so that it would grow straight. Now, I didn't even know if this would work or not. Because my other experience of tr taking plants out of a pot and put them in the ground, they always die. It must be a, a trick so they get you to buy more. But I planted it somewhere else. I planted it where I wanted a tree to be. Get that? I put a tree guard around it and staked it. And I sort of directed it carefully without breaking it. But you know, now that tree... I love to say it's huge, but he's about this high. And, it, and it's covered in leaves. And you would not never know now looking at it that, that the trunk of that tree ever had a bend. It's straight. And there's no sign of, well, where, was, where did that bend used to be? It's straightened up. You, couldn't, you would never have believed that how it used to look. Now, get this in the right context. That's one smart tree. That's one clever tree. Now, your potential is not limited to how you started, but on how much you let Jesus have of you. You need to get that little statement and, and maybe f take a photo of it. I, I still, um, I'm still living in an in a old world where I see things and I think, oh, I have to write that down. And you see all the young people just pull out their phones. Where's my phone? But I'll, I'll declare that over you. Your potential is not limited to how you started, but on how much you let Jesus have you. 2 Corinthians 9.10 says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. You're the farmer. And then bread to eat. In the same way, he'll, he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. That scripture is all about increase. It's all about God's purpose in you, in being in your life, is that you increase. And you ought to want to honor God and say, well, God, I want to increase too. Getting in line with God's purpose means that you're going to say, well, God, I want to, I want to increase like what you want me to. So to live fruitful in God's call, oh, sorry, Yeah, to be fruitful in God's call, you must remember it's God's call. That's the foundation of, of all of that we're talking about. So you won't be fruitful living horizontal. That means laying that way, sideways. Laying along the ground, you've got to start training for vertical living. You've got to start training yourself for vertical living because you won't be fruitful living horizontal. In a vineyard, you know what a vineyard is? Thank you. In a vineyard, there are lots of posts and wires. If you've ever seen one, there's lots of posts and wires. And the grapevines are tied to the wires, and they call that training the vines. It's a great play of words here for me this morning. But the vines are trained to the wires. So left to itself, a grapevine would lie along the ground 
searching for something to climb. If you just put a grapevine in the ground, a little stick, you leave it in the ground, it, it apparently just will grow. But if there's nothing to grow up onto, it'll just lay all over the ground. And then, then all the grapes that might grow on that, they're just going to get trampled on. They're just going to get stepped on. They're, gonna, they're just not going to be easy to, to harvest. It'll be a waste. It'll be a big mess. But training vertically is thinking above whatever the things are that bother you and trusting yourself to God. And there's lots of things that, that we, we train our mind in that is horizontal living. And we need to train our mind and train ourselves spiritually that we're, we're thinking, oh, I'm thinking vertically. I want to think vertically in my life and in my experience. Thinking upwards, praying upwards, believing upwards will grow you upwards. Believe God wants to increase your life in every single way. And it starts with believing what God wants from your life. And some people struggle with that believing God for what he wants for their life. Before I forget, happy birthday, Tracy. Happy birthday, Dion. It's his birthday today. Great guys. Get a free balloon afterwards if you see me. <laughs> Pauline, quickly get some balloons. <clears throat> Number two, intimacy. We are God's vineyard. In God's vineyard, it has order, it has structure. And when you train yourself to it, you become fruitful in it. You become a fruitful part of it. If we want to waste all our fruit, be happy living, lying along the ground. Getting close to Jesus is a possible thing and it's a powerful thing in your life. And it's not something that is so hard to deal with. It's not something that, well, God, maybe he doesn't like me. Maybe God's too far away and too, too mysterious. You know what? God, God isn't that mysterious because he's given us a whole manual, a whole book that explains everything about how he is, how he works, how he operates. It's called your Bible. The, the more you know this, the more you'll know Jesus. And it's not all that difficult. But you've got to train yourself vertically. But getting intimacy with Jesus... Jeremiah 10 verse 23 says, I know, Lord, and I don't know why that my computer does this. It'll just shrink words and I can't make them bigger. I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. We've got to have a trust in what God's plan is. I think the battle we have is when we don't trust God's plan. And so we think, well, God, you can't give me anything good, so I've got to go my own way and make my own, my own way forward. So the things that are plausible, that are attractive to our comfort, often work contrary to the call and plans of God. So when you're thinking, well, what's going to be the easy plan? What's going to be the easy way? Because sometimes people think, well, if God's calling me into something or God's wanting something out of my life, well, it's going to be easy. No, it's not. So we think, what's the easiest path? What's the easy way to go? Because I'm going to search for that because that must be God's way. Whatever way is the easy way, then that's it. You know, it's not. Sometimes the things that God calls us into, we've got to, we've got to uh, uh, hurt our way through sometimes. We've got, to, we've got to carry a burden sometimes. And we can see it, it, it can be almost like nothing's ever going to change. But to be fruitful in God's call, we got to remember it's God's call. It's very exciting when Jesus begins to draw someone aside 
And if you're a smart tree, you'll take every opportunity to get close to Jesus. You'll take every opportunity to, to not miss a, a, a moment where you can, where you can um, be close to God. That can look like you're, you're taking time with just you and your Bible. I can't get past how important it is for you to know your Bible. Because every, every step along the way in your life, you can find a, a way to go. Every major decision I've made to take a job, not take a job, uh, to, to, to get married or not get married, to, to, to go into ministries of various types, they've all been, God's always directed me through a word from, from the Bible. It's amazing what the Bible can tell you if you search for the word in there. It can also look like you just want to linger in the presence of God. Sometimes, <clears throat> you know, I think worship and, and coming together, worship is really, really important when we come together as believers to worship together because it opens out spiritually for something God wants to deposit. It opens the door for something in us. But sometimes when, we, when we're in that place of, of you know, growing in intimacy, we just like, I just want to be in the presence of God. I just want to be close to God. I, I remember going, and I wasn't a very good youth, youth person. I'd go to the youth camp and be, be in the center of all the squalor, all the fights. I don't know why, just what, I didn't like what they said, so I took it into my own hands. But I can remember going to youth camps, being sort of out of control, and I remember my youth pastor just going, Rob, we're going to have to send you home. And I used to hate it, but at the same time, I used, to, I used to have this longing in my heart. I wanted to be there, but there was so much stupid stuff in me that, that was coming out all the time. But I would want to linger in the presence of God. And I used to think, I wish I could just find a way that I could stay close to Jesus and, and feel his presence. And I've said this before, but I used to go uh, at work, I would go to chapels and that in, in the city of Melbourne, find places where there was open buildings and, and go there and just sit there in my lunchtime and just ask God, you know, where are you? But I wanted to linger in his presence. I wanted to be close to him. I'm not saying that God is going to be hanging out in a church building, but, but there's sometimes that solitude, that quiet in a, in a busy city. It's good to find those places where you can Sometimes being intimate with Jesus can look like a, a burden to pray. It's not like, well, I just think I'll pray today or, oh, I got the electricity bill. I don't know how I'm going to pay. I'm going to pray. It's deeper than that. It's having this burden in your life saying, I just, I just have a sense that I just want to talk to you today, God. And, and it's, it is like something heavy comes upon you to pray. And so you pray like you've never prayed before. Sometimes you just don't want to hang out with, with your friends, with your group. You just need to be alone with Jesus. And these are all the, 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 the separation moments of, that God will take you through to, to hone you, to develop you, to prepare you for his calling. And there's many people see others in their calling and think, I can do that. And they want to go in and go after things and get it. And then they find that they can't handle it. And we don't want to be like that. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 and 62 tells us about three different men, three someones who came to Jesus and said that they would follow him. Three someones. We don't know their names. And I think it's, 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 
there's a reason why they don't tell us their names because it's embarrassing for them for all of history to have been the three men who came to Jesus and then said, no, thank you. So they don't tell us their names. That's what I think anyway. One guy came to Jesus, the first someone. He says, train me, Jesus. He says, I'll follow you, Jesus. And so Jesus says to, him, to the first guy, he says, he says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus tells him, but you won't have anywhere to live, basically. Because Jesus says, well, well, the Son of Man, he, he, he's got nowhere to lay his head, doesn't have a home. And basically he's telling this guy, he's, he's saying, well, you won't have anywhere. If you follow me and go anywhere with me, you're not going to have anywhere. So that changed his mind. Person number two just, just calls him another. It's good, glad they didn't use his name. It says another person said to Jesus, or Jesus actually said to him, come follow me. Here's a personal invitation. Wouldn't you love it when you get the personal invitation? You ever turned up at a party, but you didn't have a, a real invitation? You just thought, well, you knew it was on and turned up. It's called gate crushing. But this guy's got a personal invitation and Jesus says to him, come follow me. And yet this guy finds an excuse and changed his mind. It's incredible. Person number three, another, said, Lord, I'll follow you. But again, he found an excuse and changed his mind. Now, if you, you look up yourself, you, you look up Luke chapter 9 and, and you look at this, their excuses. So I don't, wanna, I don't want you to, to um, misrepresent anything I say. So you read it for yourself and you see those sensible, plausible excuses they came from, and Jesus says, it's no excuse. And so we have that opportunity all the time to, to, to have a junction moment with God, and we say, oh, what's it, what's it mean? Oh, no, thank you. These guys were in the presence of Jesus and still found a way to make an excuse and change their mind. You know the most amazing thing, as it was then, so it is now, people just don't see what Jesus is offering. As it was then, these people didn't see what Jesus was offering. And they thought, what's, it, what, what's that mean? I need to leave my father. Well, no, I need to bury him first. This is old. What's it mean? I, I, I need to leave my house behind. But, but I've, just, I've just spent a hundred bucks on, on, on a new letterbox, a Ned Kelly letterbox. It's really cool. Sorry, Jesus. They find these things and change their mind. Just don't see what Jesus is offering. And we say to ourselves, Jesus, I'll follow you in the heat of church. Jesus, I'll follow you at the youth camp. It's awesome. Love the presence of God at youth camp. Jesus, oh, I'll give you my all. Just don't ask me to pick anyone up for youth next week. <laughs> and so we change our mind. Poke somebody gently and say, how did I not see that? How did I not see the call of God? How did I not see what he's really offering? How did I not see 
the plan that he has for me? How did I not see the increase that he's planning for me? How did I not see? And I know that, that it, just like, like me, I'm, I'm just like all the rest of us. There's so many times in life I look back and I think, how did I not see the plan of God? Why was I so stubborn? Why did I not go after that? Why did I not go for that place of intimacy with the Lord? Intimacy with Jesus trains our life for the better. Intimacy with Jesus trains our life for increase. So this is what we need to say. Train me, Lord. Train me in, Lord. Now is good with me. Here is good with me. And however you want to is good with me. Here I am, God. Use me. You need to screenshot that, people. I don't see any things out. I know you want to take photos of me, but take photos of that. To live fruitful in God's call, you must remember it's God's call. Third key. Number three. Be involved. John chapter 15 verse 4 and 5 tells us this. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. The church is Jesus' body. And the best fruitful place that you need to find yourself is in a good church where you're connected in. Where you're nourished in that house. Where you're nourished, you can flourish. That's not even in my notes. That's just an amazing bit of inspiration. But I want to give you some examples of the power of involvement, the power of connection, the power of unity, the, the, the power of commitment. Well, that's a swear word. But or the, 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 the power of being bonded together with others. So you want to see that? I'll show you right now. First of all, prayer takes off and anything can happen when you are connected, when you are involved with other believers. I'll give you an example of that. The day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, it says all the believers were gathered together, all in one place, praying. They were praying together, having a prayer meeting. And I want to tell you, church, Sunday mornings, 9 o'clock, come to our prayer meetings because we're going to start having Pentecostal prayer meetings here in this church, 9 a.m. every Sunday. And, and we're going to make a lot of noise. We're going to get messy. We're going to cry out to God. And I believe when we start to do that, we're going to see the power of the Holy Spirit move because we've been, we've been too predictable in our prayer meetings on Sundays. We've been too proper. We've been too nice. We've been waiting for everybody to have their turn. You know what? We're going to say, God, I'm not waiting for their turn. I need, to be, I need to be in your face. I need to be getting desperate with you. I need to see your spirit move. I want to have something different happen around me. I want to be filled with some power from on high. And when we start to cry out to God like that, as, as a body, things are going to start changing. So church doesn't start at 10 o'clock, it starts at 9 o'clock. Oh. I guess I'll have to find another church. <laughs> and it says, they were praying when suddenly there was a sound like a roaring of a mighty wind and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see the launch of the church with 5,000 people come to know Jesus Christ that day because of an encounter with God of desperate people saying, we're going to pray together. We're going to believe together. We're going to be asking God for, for something to happen. And God poured out the Holy Spirit. 
See, that's the type of unity I long to see in the church. I've been around long enough to know that, that, that the kind of unity of hanging around just having coffee doesn't get there. We can have unity and we can have coffee. We can have, we can have lots of coffee. We can have every kind of coffee. But that doesn't bring the power of God into our, into our situation. The Holy Spirit is searching for those who desire a move of God higher than anything else. That will get with other believers and say, you know what, the same thing you see, the same thing I want to see. And that's the, the kind of um, uh, connection God wants in, in his church is to see people on the same page, desiring the same things to happen. So you've got to watch what you get involved in, what you involve yourself in, what you connect yourself to. So you can get involved in all the wrong debates and find ourselves asking questions that really don't matter and telling everybody because you, 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 you can't help it. So when, when you're connected to the wrong things, the wrong loyalties in your life, you'll find other people in the same church and, and you'll be talking about the same things as if they really matter, but they actually don't. So if you're thinking of leaving here because we've got a black ceiling, the Tumby Bay Church where people used to go to, they've got black walls, so... Huh. Snookered. I loved it when we had guys like Dion coming to church for the first time. And he asked me real questions. I love that. I, don't, I, I, love, I love to talk about real questions, but I don't want to debate about colours of paint. And it's his birthday today. I'll say it again. Happy birthday, Dion. You've got two mentions. <laughs> But we ought to live believing, expecting and, and separating ourselves to God so he uses us. So that you're the target of God's, of, of God's choice. You're the instrument that God would choose because you've separated yourself. You've, you've made yourself intimate with God. You've, you've, you've connected yourself in the right way. So you've got to watch what you get involved in, what you involve yourself in. Now, here's another example in the Bible of, of being involved in the right place. Again, in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, it says, but while Peter was in prison, Peter was one of the early disciples, and he, he's been put in prison for preaching about Jesus, and, and he gets put away, and the church says, we're going to have a prayer meeting. And they prayed earnestly for him. That means that they were serious. That means that they weren't going to give up. That means that they're saying, well, we've got to pray for Peter because he's on death row. And as they pray, something supernatural happens. It says Peter was chained between two guards and, and the chains fall off. The guards are put into a deep sleep and he just walks out and the prison doors open automatically. And, and he thinks he's having a dream, it says. And he walks out onto the street and then he says, well, I'm really here. It's not a dream. I'm awake. So he goes to the house where they're having the prayer meeting we look at it at, at Acts chapter 12, 12. It says, When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. So I want to tell you something. When the church activates itself and starts to focus their attention together on a purpose and a cause, 
then God starts to do what we could never do. And we see miracles, we see wonders, we see the impossible starting to become possible. And we need to live in that faith. We need to live in that zone. We're not, we're not called to be a, a church that is weak, that a church that has no power, a church that has no say. We are called to be God's voice in the earth today. And the, the devil hates that voice. So that's why we need to pray. Another thing about being um, involved, think about this. Mark chapter 16, verse 18, it says, Lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Acts chapter 8, verse 17 talks about laying hands on people to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But you can't lay hands on sick people. You can't lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit if you aren't around, if you aren't involved, if you aren't interested. So the, the power of involvement, I think, is, is a powerful key in our experience in, in growing a fruitful vine with our life. In Revelation 14, verse 18, it talks about the, the, an angel being ordered to swing his sickle over the vines of the earth and gather in the grapes for judgment. The point is, we connect ourselves to a vine, either it's God or it's some other vine. Choose the vine that can save you. His name is Jesus. Choose that vine every day. So here's what I want you to see this morning. What did you look like when Jesus found you? How bent were you when Jesus found you? How small were you when Jesus found you? I'm talking to mature Christians here this morning. Where were you when Jesus found you? Because when we deal with God's call, it's God's call. And you might think, but I was just so bent out of shape. I only had three leaves. But somewhere along life, Jesus saw the potential and dug you out of that place and said, I want to place you over here. I'm going to put you here so that you can grow better. I'm going to put you here because you have a better purpose here. To live fruitful in God's call, you must remember it's God's call. It's not until you let Jesus pick you up and transplant you and straighten you that you begin to stand out among the trees and God wants you to stand out God wants you to be a fruitful tree a straight tree in Luke chapter 24 verse 17 the gospel of Luke Jesus promised anyone forgiveness of our sins for all who repent who all to turn to God say Jesus you can have me. You can transplant me. So today you can be born again right now and have your sins forgiven. Why don't we have a moment? Just Everyone just bow their heads and give, I guess, a little bit of privacy to people who may need to make that decision. Perhaps if you're in church for the very first time and you've never heard any of this stuff, it can be a little bit confronting. It can be a little bit, wow, it's a little bit too much pressure. That's okay. You can just start that process of thought, that process of discovery. But perhaps you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, I'd like to 
make my life right with Jesus. If you can just slip your hand up and I'd love to pray with you this morning and ask that Jesus become your Lord and Saviour. Transplant you to a better place. I see that hand. Thank you. You can put that hand down. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just pray right now. Pray this prayer after me. We're going to pray it together for this lady who's just given her life to Jesus. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you that you died to forgive me of my sins. Transplant me, Lord. Put me where you want me. Help me increase. Help me be involved. Jesus, you have my life. Amen.